it's twin time. For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure to select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 63. Woo! That's right. It is. And we have a special guest for this one. Something he's like, it's not special. Oh, it's just a guest. I mean, you've been on quite a bit. I would say that I'm like the, I'm the good sixth man. I'm like the bench player. You call me in when someone's having a bad shooting night or cancels on you in the last minute. Right. And I tell you afterwards, I'm like, get back on the pine. Right. Because I'm like the coach. Sure. Is that a phrase? (laughs) Uh, Sure. What is it? What is it actually? Ride the pine. Ride the pine. There we go. Riding the the pine. pine. I I rode the pine a lot in Little League. How about you guys? How good were you at Little League? Dude, I am I am so bad at baseball. It's so like even at T ball, it I'm just horrible, man. I can't I don't have the hand eye coordination. And this Dude, is the Jimmy. man who's the best bowler on our bowling team. Hmm. Dude, he actually has that official title right now. Yep. The pins are stationary. All right. That's true. Do you play uh, softball still, Jimmy? No, we were terrible at that because we, you know, now that now that I live in a place where people actually play softball for real, like legitimately when I walk into where we used to play softball on a sign, it said national champion softball teams. And this is just like the inter, not intramural, but town teams had won the national championship. And so we would go and play and get like 20 runs on us in the first inning. We were terrible. And so we quit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the lesson for all the kids out there is that when things get tough and things don't go your way, just quit. Well, you won your, I won't name the school, your pre- prestigious graduate school. You, you Didn't you win like the, the softball yeah, league? Yeah, that was the Intramural Graduate Student League. Wait, so what, it was what, only what a, movie do you watch this weekend? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, I think, I think we got to bring in, we could potentially transition or we can keep on talking about graduate school uh, softball leagues. Depends oh, we on could. what we're gonna do. You know what? Let's just do it. Dive, 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 dive. What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Second Floor Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the Mustard Man, the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Brain, Kyle L. Capitan, and Zach the Backbone present Submersion. Dang, before you know it, we're going to have to add in a bad movie twin in there, you know? Could be. Could be. Yeah, maybe. But... I will just to continue that conversation. We also won co-ed um, flag football, so we wow. were pretty good. We were pretty good. Don't you worry about it. Uh, C league, just to be clear, not we weren't in the A or B league. We were C league co-ed. Um, I am. Don't forget that we won the pickleball championship four years in a row in high school. Doubles, doubles. Yeah. What the hell is pickleball? Don't worry about you it. You never heard of pickleball? You can well, play it. I don't know what it is, man. Isn't it just like a it's a paddle like sport. a larger version of ping pong, but smaller version of tennis. That's not bad. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. 
Yep. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> Accurate. All right, Patrick. What did we what did we watch this week? Uh, we watched a little movie called The 49th Parallel. Well, that's weird. I don't recognize that name. Yeah. What, it's from was nine, it? what? I was gonna say, what was it called in America? Do you know that do you know that's a little quiz? Yeah, absolutely no. I have no idea. If you look on the official uh, Academy Awards history, they actually call it The Invaders, because that's what it was released in the United States under. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. that's what it said on online. But now everything obviously has changed to 49th Parallel, Parallel, which was the original name. It also weirdly was released, you know, as you can tell from the film, and we'll get, we'll discuss it. Uh, a big part of it's the U.S. isn't in the war when this is released in 1941. It wasn't released in the U.S. until 1942, after we had entered the war. Oh, so we go probably like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess they would have been satisfied yeah. by the ending, but it would have been a little bit strange, the whole idea of the Germans trying to cross the border. Yeah. To safety. If we quote unquote. just get to America. <laughs> yeah. If only we get to America, we get say It's like, what? <laughs> All right. Oh, yeah. Because Pearl Harbor must have happened. What, it happened like December a, a 1941. Month? So a month yeah, after, a or month two months after, after it was released, released in the UK. Yeah. In the UK. Yep. Dang. Man, oh man. History lessons over here. Yeah. So this movie stars Richard George as Commandant Burnsdorf, Eric Portman as Lieutenant Hearth, Raymond Lovell as Lieutenant Kunecki. It's probably not right. Good one. Neal McGinnis as Vogel, Peter Moore as Kranz, John Chandos as Lorman, and Basil Appleby as Yanner. As our heroes. Now, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I am battling a, a cold tonight. But I did like in the credits, I don't know if you guys noticed this, how it listed them out, like who was who. It said, these are the Germans. These are the Canadians. These are the Americans. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. And that, like did, that. did you you didn't note any of the uh, the Canadian actors, but we did have a very, very famous actor amongst the Canadian uh, crew, which was our French-Canadian trapper, was played by none other then Larry Olivier, a.k.a. Lawrence Olivier, uh, who's one probably considered one of the best actors of all time. And he was quite good in this, actually. I, yeah, I, and he, there was a I reason. I was kind they, of pretty amped about this film when he was being hilarious in the beginning. And then, spoilies, uh, I was less enthused after he perished. <laughs> Not long after we saw him. Yeah. No, but there was a reason he was cast in this specifically for, for a specific reason. I'll get to that into the, in the trivia. All right. Should yeah. we dive into this? Uh, yes. And I should also note that you are battling a cold because you are allergic to Canada. And that's a little spoily as well. This is a very Canadian film. Get ready for some Canadian accents, listeners. Because, oh, oh boy, where's this Canadian? <laughs> it starts off with a dedication that states, this film is dedicated to Canada. Ugh. And to Canadians all over the Dominion who help us, uh, help us to make it. And to the governments of the USA and the Dominion of Canada and of the United Kingdom who made it possible, and to the actors who believed in our story and came from all parts of the world to play in it. And that's when I turned it off, because I was like, no way. Like, <laughs> I don't want to watch this. this. Yeah. No, no, no. Film dedicated to Canada. What? Yeah. You can but then I turned it back hell, on. 49th parallel. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, I was, I was thinking about the other side of the 49th parallel. Get out of here. Yeah. Um, they do explain what title. the 49th parallel is. They very specifically explain it. It's a little weird that it ends up being the title of the film, and we'll get to that as well. Agreed. Oh, that's true. I don't, I don't understand it. Because they never actually attempt to cross the Fort Dan Farrell, do they? No. Yeah. They're, and, they're, and where they start in the Hudson Bay and stuff like that, I wouldn't necessarily even think that the 49th Parallel 
would be the closest place yeah, to try even to when they go to vancouver spoilers oh they, we're gonna talk about that all right they never they're planning on catching a boat right Anyways. yeah it becomes it's very it's very it's a very strange title all things considered anyways <clears throat> so we open up early in world war ii and we know it's early because canada's fighting and u.s is not yet and we have this submarine u-37 and they say it a whole bunch of times u-37 it's a german u-boat it's made its way into canadian waters and it destroys a ship in the saint lawrence river and so it's sitting there it's Crush the ship. They're all jazzed, but they're like, "Oh shit, we better, we better get out of here because they're going to be all over us. These Canadians, motherfuckers, right?" Oh yeah. And so and the, they they're are. like, "We're going to dive down, and we're going to go. Where should we go?" And they look at a bunch of maps and they go, "Ah, here we go, Hudson Bay. That's where we'll head, right?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. The mountains so they head up get that us way. there. Yeah, yeah. They, they that's what they think, and so they start they start heading up the that way, and they. Uh, at one point they rise up out of the water. There's like icebergs almost like, what the, what is this wasteland that we've made our way to? God damn it, Canada. And there's ice everywhere and they're freezing and they're like, God damn it. And then someone sees them. Is that right? No, basically what happens is they, they send off the six, I believe it's six people, right? Yep. Oh, yeah, they because they're running this, low on supplies. Yes. Because they, they have no supplies and they're basically like, we, we just need to get supplies and lay low and then we'll be able to escape and then we'll be good to go. So they send up the six people. But didn't we get a scene where the the Canadian oh, government- jangle? No, no the, yeah. the Canadian government got, got like an alert that someone yeah, yeah, thought yeah. they saw the, the sub, right? No, no, no. So, so they had the ship that was like in halfway in the water. And then they have this very strange Dutch angle, which I think was supposed to indicate that the, a person on the ship starts sending out a, a SOS single, basically, uh, okay. being like, we just got shot by a submarine. Send send people, please. Yeah. Also, I guess I skipped over the part where a bunch of survivors came over yeah. and tried to get on the submarine, and they the, the Nazis basically just like kick them in the face and like, get he. Yeah, basically. And they're like, you know, basically, they're like, you... I, we hope you die and they kick them off and i'm like whoa because a lot of the more modern films that depict nazis kind of hedge a little bit on that they're like eh, they didn't they always kind of ah, they didn't there wasn't a lot of like killing of innocent like survivors from yeah, like ships and stuff like that we but. do get the the nazi with a heart of gold later but uh for the most part the nazis are pretty big dicks yeah, they're giant dicks in this case. Yeah. For sure, which I appreciated. Um, like, I've oh, always said that I thought Hitler. that was probably more accurate, but whatever. They have their picture of Hitler. They're like, beautiful Hitler. That's basically <laughs> Right. They're stroking his and, little hair. Right. They got a little doll that they made. And they're like, oh, little Hitler. Uh, and then they have, so they sent out this raiding party of six of the sailors to go ashore. And almost immediately, the Canadian Air Force comes in, swoops in, and totally blows up this submarine dude they bomb this thing they drop like what eight or nine bombs right on top of the sub and you just keep seeing it blowing up over and over again yeah, yeah. It was eight because i remember because they were specifically counting them and okay <laughs> so at this point the canadian <laughs> the canadian government is convinced or more or less is, is pretty sure that they don't they've killed everyone or at least they don't know that they've killed everyone but they think so um and so they're able to kind of this, this these six are able to kind of go towards a settlement without too much issue. Um, there's also a brief fight where the two main people in charge kind of fight over who gets to who's technically the captain of the U-boat and who gets to pull out their dick. But then they realize there's no more boat, so then they're like, "Oh damn it!" Yeah, that's that. 
The thing that I also thought was funny, right before they send these guys off, they're showing him, they're like, just go over there and check behind that. And he points it like a mountain. He's like, there's got to be a settlement. I'm like, what? I'd be like, you want us to walk over a mountain right now? Like, dude. And once again, they're like, Come God on. damn it, Canada. <laughs> Why you got to be all mountainy and empty and cold? God damn it. Yeah. So we, then, um, we, go, we go around the mountain. I think it's like just over the hill. Right. And uh, that's when we meet my favorite character in the entire film, which is the Hudson Bay Company. Right. Yeah. So we got the the main guy of the Hudson Bay. He's kind of like whistling, like, doo, 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 love my job. And he gets in and this this Eskimo, is that the right word? Inuit? Eskimo? Uh, Eskimo, I don't think will be the right word. I don't <laughs> know. Either negative, native Canadian. Yes. A native Canadian fellow named Nick uh, is there and he's cooking up some dinner. Uh, he did seem a little stereotypical, but you know what? They kind of made up for it later. Um, and uh, he's like, oh man, the friend, this French Canadian trapper. What was his name? Oh, Can anyone I remember? He's he's been out in the Jacques. wild though for like what, a y- almost a year, Eleven almost months. a year. He has no idea Insane. what's going on. So he's there. He's played by Laurence Olivier. He's hilarious. I love this character so much. Laurence Olivier is a like a, like a crazy good actor. I was like, this is awesome, and he's so funny. And then he keeps on exclaiming "Sacre bleu" when uh, he hears more and more news about how the war is going on because he's like, oh, we'll never join the war. And it's like, oh, will we have a, eh? and he's like, oh, shaka blue. And then he blames uh, it on the news or something. Doesn't he? He basically is like, that's fake news. Yeah. He, he more or less says that's fake news. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, what? No, that's just going news. on back uh, then too. What the heck's going on? Yeah. I don't know. And, but then he eventually he, he kind of gets to the point where he accepts the fact that, oh, not, not French, not French Canadian. Ah, not us. And he's like, no, you too. You, everyone is involved in this war. He's like, oh, shaka blue. Um, and so they're kind of just like chilling. He got like a rosary from his family. He's like, you know, thanks for everything. Sending like a note to his family. He's got a cake that held up real well. As a cake. He's like, sweet. And then, uh, here come the Nazis. They've snuck down. They see some people over there and like, this is where we're going to make our move. And so they pop in and they're like, hands up. And they're like, oh shit. And they don't redo that. They, they kind of realize not super quickly exactly who they are. They, re- I mean, they're told that they're Germans, but they don't know about the submarine or anything or where they might've came from. Yeah. They're I don't just even like, think they hadn't heard about the submarine yet, right? Yeah. Nothing, nothing no. at all so far. They hear about it later with the chess match. That's something. Right. Oh yeah. And so they want the, the Germans basically just want to have this as a little bit of a base of operation before they figure out how they're going to use this spot to get away. Cause they're like, are there any trains? Are there any boats? Are there any whatever? And they're like, basically like, no. There's a boat like once every six months, basically. Yeah. So that's it. Luck. No other way to do this. Yeah. Good luck. You basically pick the worst place in the world. Welcome to Canada. Um, and so uh, in the end, he starts to get some radio stuff because basically they got shit to do in there. So he plays every night. He plays chess with a guy in Michigan. And so that guy starts to call and be like, hey, we're going to play some chess, right? And so the Germans are like, this guy's got to fucking play chess. Otherwise, we're going to uh, be made. Else, right, we're going to be made by this rando in in Michigan, and uh, so they basically are playing chess. And the German guy gets all invested, and he wants to play chess. And he's it's the first time this guy loses in like a, a bunch of years. Uh, is this German kind of like taking over the game? Get it right, Jamie. It's two years. Sorry, two years. That's also a bunch. 
Just like when I buy a bunch of bananas, I get two bananas. Two bananas, precisely. Yes, specifically. I don't want more than that. Get out of here. Um, and so eventually, while they're on, while they're playing chess, though, uh, yeah, they've also they totally knocked out that Eskimo guy or that uh, oh, Native dude. Canadian. Dude. They rifle butted the shit out of him, man. Yeah, it was Hook it was a little down. upsetting. And 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 the trappers also well, right, doing right this. this I, yeah. I will rudely interrupt right before this. Beautiful speech by Lawrence Olivier. Right, exactly. I was going to bring this Canadian. up. Yeah. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. And guess what? There is a French Canadian. There's like a British Canadian, whatever you want to call it, British Canadians. And there's a native Canadian. And it's just like this beautiful image of in-your-face Nazis. But we're, we're all, Canada. We're all and you know what? In this age of divisiveness, um, I just want to stop right here and just you know go on a little speech. I just want to give a little speech. That's it. Okay, that's the end of my speech. I just wanted to give another speech, a little speech about divisiveness and how to get around it. Because Lawrence Olivia tells us, "Let's do it. We're all Canadians, right?" And then he does, and then he dies. Uh, which, yeah, that's it was sad that it happened that way. But yeah, he 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 paints this picture. He's kind of like, "We're all Canadians." We're talking about. It's also he tries to sell Hitler's image or like a message to him. And he's like, what? Like, he's like, oh, don't you want to have your own language in your schools? He's like, we do. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, oh, because the Nazis are saying, yeah, when when Hitler takes over, you guys are finally going to be free. He's like, dude, we are free. What do you mean? This is America. Like, it's actually Canada. Yeah. Right. We're America's oh, yeah. hat. <laughs> That's what they say. They say it specifically. Um, and so, you know, he says this whole thing, which is very beautiful. And then the guy who is playing chess in, in Michigan is like, oh, my wife just came home from the movies and she's got this newspaper here. L- let me read it to you. And, and the woman's like, no, I'll read it. The woman, about, there's major there's quotation a, marks. There's a yeah, U, definitely a man voice, but whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's a U-37 German U-boat, you know, sunk right near you. And they all at once realize that these are who these people are. They're stranded. They're not like an invading party. They're stranded. Their U-boat sunk. They got shit. They don't have anything. They aren't as dangerous as they thought. I mean, they are dangerous, but they're they're not like they don't have a big force behind them or anything like that. So they all at once, the trapper tries to do his thing, take out everyone. He is shot several times by an asshole garbage man, Nazi. Yeah. And then uh killing my favorite character. God damn it. And then uh Everyone is subdued and they're like, okay, we better get out of here. Um, they smash up the radio and that basically is warns the Winnipeg um, uh, company that they work for to send like uh, a plane over to check what happened. And then right before they leave, one of the guys takes a bayonet from his gun and carves a swastika in the wall because if you don't have time for that, you know, what do you really have time for anymore? Well, I think you're really... You're painting a simple picture here of a very, a very nuanced scene of Vogel, who is kind of turns out to be, uh, I guess you term him the nice Nazi. He's like, he's yeah. like the heart of gold, the heart of gold Nazi, who uh, he is witnessing a scene of the our trapper dying, and all he's asking for in his final breaths is his rosary that his his mom gave him, and the main guy played by Portman, what was his name, a Hearth Lieutenant Hearth, is like, uh, all right, religion, fuck that. And then walks out and Vogel feeling bad for the trapper and also seemingly having had religion as background, you know, gives him the, gives him the rosary and it's like, Hey man, sorry. But feeling conflicted now, having kind of disobeyed his Lieutenant, he carves the the Nazi symbol on the wall. 
So he's, he's it's just an internal struggle, Kyle. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling you. It's like a real deep, it's a, it's a deep internal struggle that we're witnessing. And then did you guys notice when they ran out on the beach, there were like an army of little people ready to fight them. That's what it looked like when they were running I up. I think they were children. Were they children? Yes, I believe they. I believe they were ch- uh, children. Build, yes. uh, believe it. <laughs> I believe they were. They were Native Canadian children. I think. I like my I version better, but you know, maybe. I guess I could. Yeah, be. just it was like it was. Your, your, so in your version, it's Munchkin Land. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I don't. I don't believe that's the case. To the teeth, ready <laughs> no. to fight the Nazis. <laughs> this is the Wizard of Oz. I want to say. Yeah. Now we're talking. Um, and then we get so, yeah a very a very entertaining fifteen minutes of them trying to start a plane. Yeah. So they kill they kill a bunch of people. The Nazis. They're real. They're, they're real dicks right now. Um, they basically kill a whole bunch of people. Take over this airplane that's landed from that Winnipeg company. They try to start the thing because one of the guys is like kind of this arrogant idiot. Uh, he's very confident idiot. And he keeps on being like, no, I can fly this plane. I'm an engineer. I can do all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. But he's just very confidently doing it without really knowing what he, what, he, what he's doing. He's like, can you really fly this? Can we? He's like, I just need to, we need to get less weight. And so as they're trying to throw stuff out, the asshole who killed the trapper gets killed. He's the first of the the Nazis to, to perish. And we're left with five. We've gone from six to five. And they're able to take off and start flying. And it's, everything's kind of going well, but they're a little concerned about gas. I keep on being, do you have enough gas? 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 And he's like, shut up. We have enough gas. But you can tell in his face. I looked deep in his eyes and they didn't have enough gas. No, not at all, or man. At least, they were running low. Or at least he didn't know. Yeah, he, he was not sure, but he was acting all confident about it. So anyways, they get near, they're heading, trying to head to the border. They don't make it. They get like a little bit away from it. And they have to go to emergency reserves, but they didn't check to fill up the emergency reserve tank. And so they start going down and they crash into a lake. Well, I like that. And you know, the guy was like, did you check the emergency reserves? But you think about it, when they left, they're in the middle of a firefight. What are you going to do? Hold on, guys. Pull over here. We got to fill up. Right. It ain't going to happen. And, uh, well... You know what? But that's just, that's, I mean, he should have maybe been clear about it. Yeah, he, he didn't lie should have landed before he did crashing. Lie. Right. He maybe, he, he just should have thought about it a little bit and not been so confident cocky. Anyways, they crash land in this lake. It's a disaster because uh, while a beautiful setting for a lunchtime picnic, crashing into a lake kills the uh, pilot, this asshole, idiot, confident idiot. Uh, he has like a heart attack. It seemingly he seems fine. He's kind of like walking onto the beach, and then he, and then yeah, he dies. Then he just Kill, dies. kills over. Something like to note here also is when the plane is in the water. So we got people trapped inside. I don't know what this plane was made out of. Yeah, they just like tear it open. Yeah, the guy just rips <laughs> the plane open. It's like yeah, what? I think, actually, I it's like yeah. I think it's like a shell covered in canvas, right? Or we're watching the birth of a superhero. Yes, like Doctor Doom. Wasn't he a Nazi? Sure. Yeah, so uh, he's been sprayed no. with the gas, the flaming gasoline. Doctor Doom is this. not a no, doctor. not Doctor Doom. Red Skull. What's so the, Red Skull. So this guy was sprayed with a bunch of ga- flaming gasoline from this airplane. He rips open with his bare hands because he's Red Skull. That's what happens. Yeah, his his like latex mask that he wears because his face is a literal Red Skull. So he has to wear fake latex and that melts off. Because oh, of the fire. yeah, and it's like, oh, I'm actually Red Skull, and then he dies. So. Which also oh, happened. He died. <laughs> that happened oh, to me 
in the movies as well. Spoiler alert. Okay. For wow. Captain America, first Avenger from 2011 or whatever it was. So anyways, uh, this kills that guy. So we're down to four, keeping a little track of how many Nazis we've got left. Yeah. And they are, they start walking and they encounter, they see uh, a young lady kind of making a scarecrow as we all do uh, in our, as our, in our younger days, um, a natural thing to do uh, in your free time. And they're like, okay, Vogel, go over there because you know, you're real nice. You're like the heart of gold Nazi. He's like, okay. And so he heads over there and he's like, hey, what's up? How are you? And she's like, I'm great. I'm part of this religious group. And let's, we'll, we'll avoid the term cult, but a Come religious in. group, a sect, a commune, sure. They're the, and then uh, the he's like, Right. And they, they, she like, they all speak, they're kind of German mostly. Um, and so they're feeling pretty excited about this. They're like real jazzed that, whoa, maybe we found like a settlement that's actually sympathetic to our cause. Like this, this is going to be great. And so they head over and meet like the leader and they, they're fed all this bread, like a shitload of bread. And in fact, Fogel's it seems like, like they only what eat the fuck bread. Is this bread? It's yeah. Bread and is fucking garbage. Yeah. And he's like, basically it's hinted at that he is a baker. That was his trade before the war. He's super into baking. He's like top of the line baker. And they're like, oh yeah, our baker left. So um, the new baker's trash. And he's like, yeah, that baker is trash. Who is he anyways? He's like, I am. I'm the baker. <laughs> and Vogel's like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> Foot in mouth, man. Yeah. But they don't care because they keep on, they're like questioning them how they do it. Oh, how does your money work? How does all this work? How does that work? How does this work? How does this work? How does that work? And everything's kind of like, what do you mean? We just do what we want. And like the leader just kind of sets the way, but otherwise we do what we like to do and that's our life. Yeah. And Vogel's like, uh, that sounds great. And also that 16 year old girl, uh, is pretty cute. He wasn't saying that. It's implied. It's implied. There was another guy basically thinking that. Yeah, they all are thinking it, but Vogel was thinking, I want to uh, court this young lady and marry her, whereas the other guys mm-hmm. weren't necessarily thinking that. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna push back on that one. Okay, well. I think he was more of like a paternal like brotherly? You're thinking brother, fatherly? Older brotherly, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And Definitely he's looking at this other young guy being like, this person has, I'm going to use a word here, rape in his eyes, and I'm going to stop this in its tracks. That's what he you said. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think you're right. It's brother, brotherly love by our our boy Vogel, uh, and uh, but the other yeah the other guys are looking at oh, it's like a little creepy. You don't like it. Um, Didn't like it one bit. Yeah. No one liked it. So, anyways, they go to bed. There's a young lady. The guy, one of the guys, is like, "Hey, what's up? I'll walk you home." And Vogel's like, "Uh, shut it. I'm gonna walk her home." And then uh, they wake up, and Vogel's gone because they're they're all basically like, "Okay, we're gonna totally get these people on our side." Don't you worry about it. They're all full Nazis still. Well, Vogel's kind of like, eh, eh, seem pretty nice. Because then he wakes up and he totally is making a whole bunch of bread for them. Oh, dude, he's, he's, like, he's hey. baking for days, man. He's got these huge things out there. He's cutting, he's slicing, he's dicing. He's chatting it up with and the they make crappy it, baker. And they, they're literally like, I've never tasted bread like this. He's like, they're like, right. Tim Hortons doesn't even have any bread like this. No one has bread like this. <laughs> So they're like, Vogel, you're going to be our baker. And all the Nazis are like, that's tre- treason. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Okay, you can't be a baker. <laughs> yeah. They're like, there is no way in so hell you're going to stick around here. Yeah. And so the main guy, Portman, he's like, uh, or uh, Lieutenant Hearth, he's like, I'm going to show him what's up tonight. Tonight, you're going to see what's how it's happening. Yeah. He's like, As, I, I really hope that there's not a giant storm 
that makes all my words sound very, very sinister. That's basically what he said. Yes. <laughs> right. So that, that night after everyone's gathered together, he goes up there and he basically gives like a Hitler speech. And uh, Peter, who's the head of the, uh, the Hitlerites, are, is like, um, no thanks. Like, get out of here. You all suck. We're not German. We're Canadian. And everyone's like, yeah, Canada. And he's like, and we're not into all that shit. So you get out of here. So they're all real sad. Vogel's kind of, um, cause the, the girl comes and it's basically like, you're, you killed my family. Cause she lost some family to the, trying to get over to America or to Canada, um, being torpedoed by U-boats. So you're like, oh, you, you guys, you killed my family. And so they're like, the other Nazis are like, well, how about we just kill you? And Vogel has to step in again and be like, no, and takes her back and makes an agreement with, with Peter to he'll join the Hutterites after serving time in a POW camp. Yeah. And the one guy's and, okay with it because he says, you know what? I can tell you're not like these other guys. Right. You also didn't yeah. throw up the, the other Hitler when everybody else did. You were just like, yeah, you know, I'm. He just stood. He kind of like like did a little in between. A little half one up and then quickly right. one. Yeah. As you are wont to do. Uh, and so he's like, yes, I'm, I'm cool with this. But then they, they all realize what's going on. Um, cause he goes, he goes a bacon again. Yes. <laughs> he makes a cake with Anna <laughs> yeah. and then chocolate chips or something. Yeah. He may, he starts making a cake and I re- was really concerned about that cake cause they go and grab him, and I'm like, Whoa, who's going to take that cake out of the oven? Nobody, man. You don't want to burn it down. Anyways. Uh, they take him out to the woods and they're like, uh, obviously treason. You can't bake cakes. It's law of the Nazis. Duh. Everyone knows Nazis can't bake cakes or you're not allowed to. And so they're like, time to shoot you. And they do. And I was like, so sad. Oh, yeah. Second favorite character gets killed. So basically, first favorite character comes in for a scrunch Canadian hilarious dude and gets killed. I'm like, oh, so sad. Then Vogel comes in, bacon cakes left and right, bacon bread never seen before and gets killed. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, the assholes seem to be winning. Although I guess they, they're only three left out of six. Yeah. So yeah, they huff it to Winnipeg at this point, right? Yeah, and now Winnipeg is—it's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, it's like a, it's more, may as well be on Broadway of New York City. That Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Winnipeg. Oh shit, Winnipeg. <laughs> Where it's Big city, Winnipeg. Dude, Winnipeg's a place to be, man. That would seem like it. Why? No? Oh, because there was guards due south, right? They can't cross the 49th parallel because because yeah. that's where they cars. expect to go. So they what they figure out is that they're going to keep on going across Canada, which is fucking nuts like even when they talked about how how long they'd be walking i did the calculation i was like shit they would have had they would have to be walking like 35 to 40 miles a day to ma- even make that boat that they talked about oh yeah because uh they were because they said the boat's leaving in a month or something and then they were two thousand kilometers away yeah yeah i did that too i looked it up because it's uh vancouver or winnipeg to vancouver and that's yeah. that's a hell of a f- <laughs> walk yeah it's oh, crazy luckily. Oh shit! Um, well, luckily they murder wow. murder a very nice man with a car with a way. wrench, right? Yeah, with a wrench. Yeah, I should just mention they they learn this all in Winnipeg because Winnipeg is like the hub of news, so they know where they need to go. And Vancouver's the the only spot they can. Dude, go. Winnipeg's the hub of literally everything of the well, world. Yeah, because they they hear through the grapevine as well. I think he goes into like a travel state place, and then he finds that figures out that there's a boat to Japan. Right. In a month, and but yeah, obviously Japan was a was an ally, so they figure they can like sneak onto it, basically. Right. So like Vancouver, it is. Yeah. So then they they murder this this nice motorist, 
Uh, great. Uh, I thought for sure one of them would die on the on the route, like actually like collapse from fatigue. Yeah. Uh, and that's how one of them would die. Not the case because they make it all the way to beautiful Banff National Park, and they really do get some nice shots of this place. Oh yeah. man, and it, looks, guy, it looks beautiful. Would, if the guy didn't look like a sinister asshole, there they would never have been caught. But for some reason, the, everyone's like, "Who are these three guys here? We better report them to the authorities." I didn't really get like how they got caught at that point. It was what, just bad. Yeah, yeah, on, on the train. Well, they had the guy telling them what everyone looked like. One of the guys was kind of dumb. So one guy who but why pretty... why did the train conductor get suspicious of the three guys? Like he he brings the police on. and He's like, I I swear to God, they were here. Where are they? I and think then, the police. I think the police were asking about them. Had descriptions, and then they were like, Oh, oh okay. they, this description. Those three people were here. They went on, but they had already left the train. And, and, I, and then they went over. In a train full of sixty people, can remember this guy had a bow tie and an oil cloth package on his person. I think that was a description that the. Oh, you're right. Never mind. That would have been the reverse. Yeah, I don't know. It was very clear how they were discovered or why they were. Oh, it's because the Canadians are very observant and wonderful people who all band together to to defeat right. criminal criminality in general. Dude, they can sniff and all out the Nazis. and all the all the Heil Hitlers they were doing probably. Yeah. yeah, probably. They're on no, the I train, like goose just... stepping and stuff. People are like, uh, "Yeah, we remember those guys. They're right there." Yeah, they put up they put up the Nazi flag at one point. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, it seems unnecessary." I'm I'm gonna go with the theory that the conductor came up. If you remember, the conductor comes up to the head guy, who's right. basically a stone cold dick the entire time, and he's like, "Hey, Banff National Park," and the guy's like, "Get out of here! I have an appointment." Hail Hitler! And the guy's like, "Whoa!" Yeah, he's like, "Wait a second, a like a Canadian wouldn't have been so rude." Yeah, and then he looks over. Canadians, other Canadians guys. are real nice. That guy's not Canadian. That guy's German. Yeah, basically, I think that actually is basically it. Right. Anyways, everyone's so polite and nice and jolly, except for these three assholes, and they're like, they're not Canadian at all. Hey, and then the guy with the bow tie gets cut. Right. So they give out these descriptions. One guy, the the two of the two people who remain who aren't caught are kind of smart about it. They try to change their look as best they can as the description's going out. But the one guy kind of sits there looking nervously, nervous and then gets caught. And so presumably he is beaten to death by the crowd. We can only hope. One can only assume. And so they run into the Banff National Park, which seems like a mistake considering you weren't caught in a giant crowd full of people. Yeah, why would you just so sprint like away? They, were, they got the guy. Yeah, it seems like you would probably just try your best to continue on your way instead of sprinting into the wilderness. <laughs> Wearing three-piece suits. they do. Yeah. So they they sprint out and they're getting exhausted and they and they stumble upon a lake and it's getting dark. And there's a guy sitting there fishing, my third favorite character. Yep. And he is Philip Armstrong Scott. He's a writer and he's out there fishing and he's like, hey, boys, come along to my camp. We'll have a, a grand old time here. And they're like, uh, okay. And so they hop in his canoe and off they go to have a grand old time with Philip Armstrong Scott in his teepee with his two favorite paintings in all of the world. He's a real weirdo and he he carries he carries a Matisse and a Picasso everywhere he goes. He's like I just can't put with my paintings. He's like, "Oh, I'm writing a book about uh Indians or native native Canadians." And he goes on this whole spiel about how the Indi- the native Canadian culture, see I, I'm like mixing up the words here. Native Canadian cultures were so similar to uh the Nazi culture. I was like, "Oof." That's not that's not good. Yeah, not, maybe not maybe don't do that. Because he's like, oh, it's just so savage. You're like, ooh, okay, well, oh, well, all right, yeah, cool. 
And then he starts making fun of Hitler. He's like, I hope you boys aren't Nazis because I'm about to go off. And then he goes off on Hitler for a while. And they're like, yeah, now I'm upset. Yeah. So they I get was, real I was upset. pretty chilling for a while there in your TP. And then I got pretty upset when you made fun of my the glorious leader. Yeah. So then he, uh, the one, the main German kind of runs out, Hearth, he runs out of the TP. And the guy's like, oh, are, are you okay? And gives him a drink and tries to kind of make up for it and comes back in and that's when they they reveal themselves they're like you coward and basically say like you're a fucking coward you're not even doing like anything for the war you're not fighting you're just sitting here with two fucking paintings over there like a bozo and we're gonna we're taking your horses and we're gonna destroy your paintings we're gonna tie you up man yeah and philip Armstrong scott is basically like i've never thought he's a, he's very much painted as like the intellectual he's like i've never thought about whether i'm a coward but I don't feel nervous right now. In fact, I don't feel nervous at all. And you get to, you get the feeling that, oh, he's going to be brave. Yeah. You just got to wait. Because anyways, funny, they, they try to flee. Did you, it was up? funny when he was doing this because earlier they were talking about how you would feel under pressure. And that's why he was talking about it. He's like, my pulse isn't elevated, but my mouth is a bit dry. <laughs> like that's yeah. all I said. I was like, yeah, here we go. Very, very academic assessment of whether he was a coward or not. Right. And so they stumble, bumble away and kind of like screw up. So they try to get the horses, but the horses uh, being wild animals, not wild animals, but uh, horses, they neigh and do whatever horses do and alert everyone else in camp. And everyone else in camp is like, those fucking horses, right? And they're like, oh no, fucking Nazis, right? Yeah. And they start running after the Nazis and the younger guy, um, actually knocks out Hearth is like, I'm the captain now and knocks him out. I was like, fuck you and runs away. But like a bozo ends up getting cornered. I, and I swear to up? God, I thought he was going to get killed by a grizzly bear in that cave. Oh I my like, yeah, I thought for sure he was killed, but yeah, I thought he was going to be ripped apart. Well, they even mentioned grizzly bears earlier in the movie. Cause somebody has been oh, yeah, be careful out here. There's lots of grizzlies. Yeah. I it was going to be, it was going to be straight out of grizzly man. It'd be like, Werner Herzog would come in and be like, no one should watch this film now. And you're like, okay, Werner Herzog, I understand. It's just so traumatic. And then, uh, so he, Armstrong comes up, Armstrong Scott, he comes up, he's like, fucking, he like rips his shirt off. He's like, like, like glistening muscles. It's awesome. And he walks forward and they're like, holy shit, you're going to get shot. And he's like counting off the shots because he knows exactly how many shots or, or how many bullets were in the gun that was stolen from him. Gets shot once in the leg. But he's at this point, he's basically the Terminator because you see the wound heal up immediately. He gets into the cave and just like pummels the shit out of this guy, presumably killing him. And they're like, oh, wow, you are not only an intellectual, like strong in your mind, you're strong in your body. And they're very, and you're a, to them. And you're a murderer. I'm going to help you cover it yeah. up. And he's like, okay. Something to note when the younger guy did knock out the other one. He kind of came to his senses for like a second, was able to climb or crawl behind some brush and remain hidden. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> because then uh, this is where I feel like the, the movie actually kind of fell apart because he's not a hobo. And he's like, he's like a hobo. He, he, he totally reverses course, turns around, goes the other direction towards Toronto ends up on like trains and stuff like that seemingly has no problem from now on i guess because he's alone so it's a little easier if you're just like one person to be like a vagrant or oh, whatever dude maybe that's the real moral of the story here yeah just be alone. life's easier life. alone 
right? And so, but he's made, able to make it and they just kind of do this in a very quick way. They're just like, oh, and then he was near Toronto. He's on this, he's on this train. He's near Toronto. He, he just needs to cross over the border and he has this plan. The idea is he's going to be basically stowed as illegal st- storage in this thing. Once he goes over, he'll reveal himself to the American custom agents and then he'll be forced. They'll have to take him to the German consulate. But against his, uh, something that working against his plan is that a Canadian uh, military man comes on and basically is like, it's kind of hamming and hawing. Oh man, government, right? Oh, this job, right? Oh man, like this sucks. And you know, blah, blah, blah. He's like, oh, what are you, a deserter? And the guy's like, no, no, I'm not a deserter. I just stayed, overstayed my leave a little bit. And now they're going to, now they're going to like chastise me. And I'm not even fighting. I'm not even fighting. It's just like a, you just walk around guarding a border like an idiot. And so the German sees an opportunity here and knocks the guy oh, out. Oh, dude, pistol whips the shit out of this guy. Yeah, gets all his, gets, takes his clothes so that he's not like noticed because, you know, they, they kind of know that this guy's back there, um, this, uh, this army guy. They're kind of helping him out. So it's like, oh, this is per- perfect little cover. And so the train makes it all the way over the bridge. The other guy wakes up. The military guy wakes up. They're behind a chain, chained fence and the custom agents come in and they're like, oh shit, there's like two people back here. And the guy's like, here's my gun. I'm German. Take him to the consulate. You have to. And they're all pissed, but they're like, it's the law. And then the Canadian swoops in and he's like, how about you just consider us goods? And we aren't on the manifest, are we? And they're like, you're right. You aren't on the manifest. And he's like, perfect. So you have to send something that's not on the manifest back, right? And they're like, you're right. We have to send it back. So they send it back. They're like, oh, these things weren't marked in the manifest. You have a couple things in here not marked. We have to send it back. Either mark them or take them off. And they send the train back. And on the way that it's back, oh boy, this military man, he is in. This is, seems to be a theme of the film. Goes in for a little pummeling. <laughs> Pummel the shit out of this guy. Yeah. Presumably killing him. Just like the last the last three guys basically get beat the shit out by like mobs of people. Yep. Yeah, I was, was going to make a joke about how that was the first time that uh, the US kind of just like broke the rules and deported somebody. But it's not a very funny joke. No, but no, I still said it. I mean, but the thing, you know what? It's in this time of divisiveness, you really have to um, appreciate a movie like this that tells us how we can all be t- one and part of one nation, Canada. How we can all rise up and fight one enemy. Yeah, ah, it's beautiful. We all got to well, do our duty. You can't tell, but my eyes are actually camera. welling, welling with tears right now. I believe it, dude. I believe it. Cool. Well, that took longer Alrighty. than normal, so we should probably get right into some ratings. I think that's right. So who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Okay. Yeah. So this, I don't know, this movie, um, it kind of reminds me of, well, like there's movies of this time. I think we we watched one. Did you watch the uh, the one, uh, what's that Ice Cube film we watched for Bad Movie Thursday? The uh, uh, You're talking about Ghost of Mars? No, no, the one where it's- uh, Are we there yet? Are we done yet? Oh, are we done yet? Okay. And that was based off of a f- old film. Um, oh, yes, 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 yeah. 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 And uh, there was a similar film I watched called Anti-Mame. And these films kind of existed in this very, this one as well, exists in this very strange time, in my opinion, which is like prior to the three-act structure of film. Like they just don't have a, there's no structure to the script. It's literally you watch the movie and it's just Germans get trapped in Canada. They go to the Hudson Bay Company and steal a plane. 
they go crash on a com they they crash the plane and they go to a commune they go to winnipeg and realize they can't cross the border they go to vancouver and realize they can't get on the boat they meet up with a british guy and they get kind of the guy like the last nazi escapes he gets on a train and crosses the border at the end that's like literally the plot of the film there's there's nothing else to it it's like this the structure of the film is like so crazy to me that's almost impossible to analyze whether i like i like the film or dislike the film because maybe i dislike the film just because the structure is so ludicrous based on like how films currently are structured i will say i liked auntie mame a lot and i did not really like this film very much because wow well as you said there's like three there's three really good characters and i very much like those three characters it's very strange to watch a movie where the main characters that you're following the entire time are systematically getting picked off, but also the worst people you've ever, like the last three people you're left with are like the worst. And you just wish that Vogel or was it Vogel? Yeah, Vogel. Yeah. Was there to like kind of carry the film a little bit. I think it just fell apart once they left the commune. It just kind of gets a little bit, uh, a little bit ropey. It makes me, makes me wonder too, cause this is, this is a propaganda film and this is the second propaganda film we watch cause we, we dive at dawn is also considered a propaganda film. I guess the, actually all of these ones from the forties were probably more or less propaganda films, but I wonder how many, if you went and looked at the German propaganda, similar type of propaganda films being made in Germany, whether they had ones where it'd be like a bunch of Americans being basically awful running around Germany. We need to find some of those. Uh, yeah, it would be interesting to well, be interesting to watch that, where it'd be like they're like gambling and like you know doing all kinds of stuff, where they're like, "Oh, look at these terrible Americans." This, this reminds me of the the podcast that I proposed at one point, which was the propaganda podcast where we watch propaganda. Like, yeah, it sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> and then I was slowly like, slowly become brainwashed. Yeah, I was like I just don't want to watch that much propaganda. <laughs> right, yeah. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. But the uh, I would say like if I were going to give a gut feeling. Of like if six is actually average, as far as like the movie itself, I would give it like a five point five as like just slightly below average. Really? Wow. Wow. But, but I bump it up because I it's those bold. three characters, boom boom. Uh I'm just gonna give it a flat six. Wow. I'm still still I find this bold. It's a bold I statement. Think so. I think you were a perfect replacement for Zach because I think Zach would have given some. I think he probably would have gone yeah. even lower, lower actually, yeah. Yeah, he'd probably been like a four or something like that. <laughs> probably. Wow. Um, I can go next because I'm gonna we're gonna have a a wide oh, gap okay. between me right. and you. Really? By the way, because I really enjoyed this film. I think it was a little too long. The end, as you say, like the the structure of the narrative breaks down at a certain point, and the end is bad. Like it's actually actively bad. Uh, how they end this film. Uh, in a wide variety of ways, but I really enjoyed going from the opening where they end up in that first little village and the uh, Hutterite village and then the uh, Banff National Park and with this guy there all the way through that I was really really digging it to the point where um after finishing watching it I was like wow that was I really enjoyed that that's crazy I had no idea that this was an academy award nominated winning film like I had no idea it was even known in the United States because I you know was somewhat aware of it not being released in the United States until after we had entered the war. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. And I look and it's nominated for best picture. And I was like, whoa, what? Like that's, that's crazy. Cause yeah, I could, I could see, I just thought it looked beautiful, really nice shots for something that's in the forties. Like we watched, we dive it down. It looked like shit and sounded yeah. like shit. And this is like a thousand times better than that. The acting was great. Lawrence Olivier was awesome. 
all that kind of stuff. So I enjoyed it other than the ending kind of falling apart. So I was going to come in at eight and a half. Dang, wow. look yeah. at you. I know. I would have even gone higher if it wasn't for the ending. Like if it had ended where he made it to Vancouver and all of that happened in Vancouver, I think I would have been fine with it. Yeah. It's just that it, because it they had to do this weird thing where he went like 2,000 kilometers the other direction in literally four seconds. Well, dude, you got to get a shot of Niagara Falls in there every once in a while, right? I know. It's, it just it's, it seemed like a mistake. I didn't understand it at all. And it wasn't even with the 49th parallel. At least make him try to like cross over the 49th. That is funny that now that we mentioned that, it has literally nothing to do with the movie. And yeah. so they said that it was a they couldn't cross it because it was guarded, but right at the beginning, they're like, the only unguarded. Because it was expected. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Yeah. They were, it was expected that they would try to cross the 49th parallel because of where they were gotcha. last seen. It's like, okay, they're obviously going to try, try to cross over, so it's being guarded too heavily. So they had only two options. I mean, it's so huge, though. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, what? All right. But yeah, like you mentioned, uh, this was nominated for three Oscars. One, one for best writing, nominated for best picture, and- also nominated for best writing screenplay. Right, yeah. So story, oh, story and screenplay the original were, story. were separate, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed this movie also. I didn't expect to. Uh, to me, you know, this is the birth of the cross-country buddy trip, uh, you know. <laughs> right. In the wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> right. You got a bunch of guys, you head out on a journey. Uh, I think, kill a yeah. Few people I along think the way. Planes, oh. Trains, and Automobiles is a remake of this, right? I think it is. Yeah. And then subsequently due date is the same thing. And uh, you get other things like Bubble Boy and uh, Road Trip, you know, all all these types of movies. They all stem from 49th I guess parallel. we should have known too, because most of those are about Nazis as well. If if this ended up being yeah. like a road trip film with the main Nazi and Lawrence Olivier, I could have got behind a little bit more. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Vogel Vogel and the and Lawrence Olivier go on a road trip instead. Yeah. I would definitely be Ooh, the antics. Else, Think man. of the antics, my friends. I'm just saying, if you oh, guys yeah. like this film, I would very, very highly recommend Auntie Mame then. Auntie Mame, the, the same thing there. Just uh, the structure, the way the film is structured to me is just they, they go on way too long. Two hours of basically driving narrative with absolutely no like delineation as to like. But not, not like Cheaper by the Dozen. You're not saying like Cheaper by the Dozen, where it was like. Uh, literally vignettes strung together you're you're just saying that they drive forwards still with somewhat of a narrative this just without is, really look they just kind of fizzle out this is basically vignettes strung together they they go to from place to place and each one is its own separate thing that barely has any real relation to the previous one but like, they do have an overarching it's just driving not, force they're trying to get out they're trying to get to america no, well, I would again. I would recommend watching Anti Mame. The reason why being Anti Mame is the same way. There's an overarching driving force to Anti Mame, but it literally like clo- like closes with Anti Mame making like a pose after every single scene, because each scene is itself like a self-contained story. That I do have one. Well, I have one question for you. Yes. Does Anti Mame do any extreme sports? Because it's going to be tough to fit it into this or Ooh, season two. Yeah. So. Uh, I'm not gonna, I don't want to actually spoil Auntie Mame. Um, Are there animals in it? Because that could be season I three. Film Auntie Mame. I don't want to spoil the. She does climb uh, an Alp, so that, oh. that could be. Ooh, rock climbing. That could be pretty good. Fit in. That'd be a great one, actually. But, yeah. All right. Anyways, I'm gonna come in a little lower than Jamie, but I really like this movie. I think it's an eight. There we go. 
It's, worth, it's, worth, it's definitely worth watching. It makes me feel Especially like for 1941, it looks really, really good. It's beautiful. But part, I mean, part of that is, is the fact that it, it's considered culturally important. So it's been like re- refurbished and it has this criterion. Like what we watched was the Criterion Collection version of the film. Yes. Because it's important enough. Amend my uh, amend my review to also say that the propaganda aspect of it uh, actually did genuinely bother me while watching it. It felt it felt like it was uh, it was very strange to watch one that watch something that was so obviously a propaganda film. Yeah, it's extremely yeah, propaganda. Cameron says we all got to do our duty. I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, I don't think it's not the most propaganda we've had. I think that was the one where they were selling. Oh the war bonds at the end of the film crash dive yeah crash dive yeah crash dive they literally were like oh boy oh boy oh boy look at all these things military oh man look at these boats (laughs) these are like pictures of boats (laughs) like okay well all right should i get some trivia do it let's do it all right so as we said nominated for three academy awards best picture best screenplay and then it won one for best story uh, and although this movie was nominated for a three Academy Awards, the title 49th Parallel is nowhere to be found in Academy Records because it was released as The Invaders. Uh, it, also, the original U.S. version, which would have been one, the one nominated, was 18 minutes shorter. So that was because it cut out a lot of the uh, scenes at the beginning and in the middle where they were just showing like scenery of Canada. And that oh, was, okay. apparently that was 18 minutes long. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, but then it was restored for the Criterion Collection. Originally, I thought, okay, maybe that's where the narrative broke down at the end because they pulled out all this time at the end. But no, we had the Criterion Collection. So we definitely we saw the original full version uh, that was released in the UK and Canada. And I believe, yeah. I believe this is the last submarine film nominated for an Oscar that we had yet to see. I don't think there's any other oh, submarine films nominated for Oscar. I think that's right. Can I ask the last one? That, uh, there's very little submarine action. Yes, but I would say submarines quite important, and it had enough. I would say. Uh, Dude, I, when they bombed the shit out of that thing, yeah, was that was pretty nice. sad. I, you know, I cried a little bit at that point, but well, you have to. All right, producer and director Michael Powell forgot that Newfoundland Foundland was a crown colony and not part of Canada. You know something about that, Patrick? Uh, and when they moved the full size submarine model, it was impounded, wow. and only by claiming or talking about how much it was going to help the war effort were they able to get it out and into the into canada peter cushing best known as grand moff tarkin in star wars actually worked on this film he was a prop man he made props for this film Uh, and it was because his he had moved to hollywood to try to get his career going uh during the war war times and uh it was not going very well so he was a prop man uh the submarine used in the opening scene was a replica built in halifax um the canadian government was asked to contribute a submarine and they said no because they were uh battling a war so they said fuck off direct i mean direct it's quote. surprising that we don't see that uh more often you see some of these movies made like during active war yeah like, i think are the, you kidding me the u.s ones are weirder because they actually use ones that then they'll be like and then a month later it was sunk and you're like wait what that submarine was actually being used in battle whereas like the U- uk ones are usually like an experimental submarine it's like okay that makes more sense that or a museum ship or right, some yeah. boat sorry or something like that but yeah it's just to use an active one is very surprising Okay. The British press complained about what they saw as the movie's sympathetic portrayal of Nazis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're talking about Vogel uh, and his whole character as being a sympathetic Nazi. And Pressburger 
and Powell both said, hey, you know, there's got to be good Germans. They're not all evil monsters. So we had one of the Nazis have a heart of gold. That's not like, that's not a direct quote. They said they, so oh, okay. there's got to be good, some good, good. good Nazis out there. Uh, it was also the biggest grossing movie in the UK in 1941 and the biggest grossing mo- British movie at, uh, to date in the United States when it was released. Sorry about that. Wait, so this is a British film, not a Canadian film. This is a British film. So Pressburger and Powell are British. Well, Pressburger is technically Hungarian, but they, they worked in Britain. They were also, they did one other film that we watched. Um, I'm forgetting what, which one it was called, which they, they wrote, but then didn't direct. Um, and so they're, they're kind of like a team and they're British. And so, yeah, but they were, they came over and, uh, you know, did this one in Canada trying to stir up. I mean, really the point was to stir up us and Canada sentiment. So to kind of get Canada all like united against the Nazis because they were having trouble with the French Canadian provinces and stuff and then try to get the U S into the war. So they used Canada as the backdrop. Interesting. Yep. Uh, Elizabeth Bergner was originally cast as the role of Anna. Uh, she's very famous, by the way. She was the inspiration for All About Eve, the main character. Not Eve, but the the older uh, actress because of a story she told to a newspaper that was then published and then adapted into All About Eve, one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, but she was originally cast and then um, she was spotted when they were acting with all the Hutterites. She was spotted smoking and painting her nails. And a woman came over and slapped her and uh, Bergner uh, demanded an apology and the woman wouldn't do it. And so she walked off. No way. Yep. And she was replaced by a much younger Glennis Johns. You can actually still see Elizabeth Bergner in the film, but only in like um, faraway scenes. Uh, yeah. So this was commissioned by the Ministry of Information to raise worldwide awareness, most specifically the US to the Nazi threat. Um, although it was, however, it was intended for Canadian consumption because of the French Canadian stuff. So Vichy France was an ally of Nazi France and many French Canadians in Quebec were pro-German. And so they were trying to get that. So that's why Laurence Olivier was cast as the French Canadian to try to be like, look at this, you know, basically the greatest actor of our lifetime playing a French Canadian. And don't you all love this and hooray, hooray, hooray. Finally, um, the depiction of the uh, U-37 is fictional. The U-37 never sailed in Canada. The real U-37 was actually the sixth most successful boat in the war, U-48 being the highest scoring of all time of the U-boats. Huh. Yep. And then uh, this was a very Canadian film, right? Would you agree? It was. Yeah. A. So what other famous Canadians would have done well here? What about Jim Carrey? John Candy. I haven't gotten to him yet. Oh, Jim sorry. All right. Carrey. Good. Jim Carrey. Old uh, rubber face himself, as everyone calls him. The French Canadian, uh, Laurence Olivier. I like Agreed. it. Agreed. Yes. Again, smoking at the camera. Our greatest, our current greatest actor, replacing the former greatest actor. Uh, what about Ryan Reynolds, handsome motherfucker? Hmm. Vogel. Really? I'm thinking Vogel. He's too yeah. nice. Like he'll come across very nice. You think he should be Vogel? Vogel's looking pretty hot. I think I'm not sure that young Anya is going to be able to keep her hands off. Wow, that's not that's not brotherly love anymore. No. With Ryan Reynolds in that yeah. spot, we now replace the entire second act with a love story. Right. What about Mike Myers? 
Uh, oh, he would 100% play the French Canadian, actually. <laughs> like that, that would be like what he would actually choose to do. The only other one I can think of is the uh, the engineer, the, like the arrogant engineer would be kind of amusing. Yeah. He'd probably play a Scottish character oh, as well. He'd yeah. play a second character. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, Rachel McAdams and Ryan Gosling? They actually have to both be in the film. Oh, okay. Hmm. Now that is Vogel and Anna. No, definitely. I actually, yeah. I have a very bold move. They both for place the posh British gentleman, and now they're like a posh couple in the in the the British Vancouver area. I like the dynamic. Oh, I like the dynamic. That could be interesting. Yeah. What about Michael J. Fox? Hmm. I feel like he's like the young. Wouldn't you? Think, wouldn't you? Greg, he got a little baby face. Give him that baby face uh, Nazi kind of role. Sure. We go, so we're going like uh, yeah. class of 70, 76, whatever that weird film. Yeah. It's got some meat on that bone. It's not that bad of a role. Yeah, why not? And this is where I started to be like, whoa, there's a lot of Canadian actors. William Shatner. Uh, he's the leader of the commune. Perfect. Oh, that is true. That's good. That's good. What about good. what about John Candy? Oh man, he maybe he's the engineer then. <laughs> I think he might be the engineer. Rotund. That'd be good. I, I don't want to judge him by his weight, but it does seem very appropriate. He's a, he's a little too too like uh, charming, I guess. Necessarily, uh, he doesn't he doesn't. I don't think he would necessarily play like confident idiot super well because he just seems like like a charming guy that you would actually like. But yes, I agree. What about the dynamic between him and the Nazi captain, you know, when they're asking about fuel would be awesome. Right. Yes. Yeah. What about uh, Ed Harris? Now, you might just be like, yo, Ed Harris was born in America. Not true. He was actually born in 1928 in Saskatoon. Uh, He was an interesting life. So he played 26 seasons in the NHL. And then he founded Tim Hortons and Labatt Brewing Company. Right. So that's kind of crazy that he did both of those things. After that, he turned his attention to acting. So it's an interesting little story for our, our one of the greatest Canadian actors of all time, Ed Harris. It's incredible. Main, yeah. Main character. Yes, obviously he's the main. Oh, you mean yeah. you're talking about the main Nazi character. <laughs> character yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it would be a different turn because he never plays uh, bad guys. In this case, he would be quite the bad guy. But I think at the end, what would happen is he's had a change of heart. He teams back up with Vogel, our boy Vogel over there. Actually, you know what? John Candy's playing Vogel. So him and John Candy team back up. Go back to the commune, say, yo, Peter, sorry about that, bro. John Candy, here's your baker. I'm your, what do you be? No. I don't even know. What, what you do is you do a cliffhanger, right? Where Ooh. where someone comes in and it's like, oh my God, it's my old platoon leader from Germany. And they're like, we have a job for you. We're going to kill Hitler. Whoa. So, bam, they're infiltrating Germany and they're killing Hitler. So, okay. So John Candy's the baker. Ed Harris is the international assassin of the group. Whoa. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. And then I'm going to go really quick because, you know, there was so much trivia about this. So many Canadian actors to talk about. I went up on and on and on. Phantom Zone, real easy. This actually had two highly billed actors that were both in We Dive at Dawn. We just did it two episodes ago. Portman. Oh. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. Forgot about that guy. <laughs> yeah. I gotta wait. I gotta wait for the theme song. Cause yeah, so this was we had we shared two highly built actors with We Dive at Dawn. Uh, Portman and Niall McGinnis are Vogel and uh Hearth, the main character. Um so pretty easy just to hop over to that guy and go straight over to Phantom. I don't even remember. I may have even used this movie in 
the Phantom Zone for We Dive at Dawn. I have no idea. I didn't look back. So, but I wow. know I can make it. No big deal. You can. Yes, I know. You're getting a little lax there, man. We got to get you to get the whole pathway figured out again. I know. Sometimes it just it's it's one of those things where I I know it can happen, and I'm doing this like right before we're recording, um, like in early minutes, or I'm doing it like right now. Or if I just know it off the top of my head, I'm just like fuck it. You should know? we uh, should yeah. we set up a a shortest path? I I do one from for a bad movie email where I find the shortest path to here on earth, the greatest movie of all time. Ooh. So we could set it up to find We We, we go. could. Yes, we could. We could. Yeah. All righty. It's time. It's, it's sub, 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 world, world, wide, 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 wide. So in the beginning of the movie, we had a submarine in Canadian waters, and I wanted to figure out what U-boats could have infiltrated Canadian waters. And it turns out there were situations where they did. Now, avid listeners might be disappointed in me because say, Kyle, you already did this one in episode 38, but I did not cover this information in episode 38. So there's some new stuff I'm going to tell you about. So get off his back. Okay. Yeah. Give me a break, guys. Come on. All right. The German Type 9 submarine. Oh, I know this one, yeah. You've done this one before. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, 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 yeah. you, did, you did this one before, though. I think I, uh, yeah, Jamie, I'm going to, I did this one before, yeah. Right, okay. I haven't heard it. It's new to me. Oh, oh there like we TV go. TV reruns. Yeah, it's like new to you. Yeah, sweet deal. Uh, so these were built for operations far from their home port and at times even patrolled off the coast of the United States. They were built from 1937 to 1944. 194 of them were completed. Two have been preserved. One of these is actually preserved in Chicago. So you can go check it out if you're in the States. They were 251 feet long. They had a beam of 21 feet, 4 inches. They had two supercharged diesels that generate 4,300 horsepower. Two electric motors that generate 999 horsepower. And six diesel marine engines that generated 9,000 horsepower. Could go to a test depth of 750 feet. Held anywhere between 48 to 56 people. Had six torpedo tubes, four in the front, two in the back for the party. Mm. It had 22 torpedoes that it could store, both inside the boat and externally. And it had naval gun. Some also had anti-aircraft guns. Had a range of 10,500 nautical miles at 10 knots while surfaced. And 65 nautical miles at 4 knots while submerged. So, the one that was wreaking havoc in Canadian waters is the U-190. <coughs> Forgive me again, I am battling illness. Uh, so, this... This... U-190 did sink the HMCS Esquimalt. I'm sure I'm not saying that right. But that boat, that ship, was out patrolling its own harbor and was not using any anti-submarine tactics, which were mandatory, you know, from the Canadian Navy. They're supposed to be zigzagging. This was just going in a straight line. It even shut off its sonar. It wasn't like, wasn't doing anything that it was really supposed to be doing. And the U-90 thought that they'd been spotted because 
you know, these tactics looked like, okay, they looked a little bit different. So they fired at it. They sunk this thing within four minutes. The ship sunk so fast that they couldn't even send out a distress signal. Nobody even knew it was sunk until eight hours later when another ship rolled up and found a bunch of survivors. But eventually, the U-190 was surrendered surrendered to the Canadian Navy on May 11th, 1945. And also, Type 9 has one of the only U-boats that was sunk in the Gulf of Mexico. Wait, so they was cap- this one was captured by Canada? Yeah. That's crazy. It is, right? Isn't it rare for, for a U-boat to have been, like, actually... I don't know. I'd have to look up at how many actually were taken whole because it sounds like this was taken whole yeah i think it'd be hard to capture a u-boat at all or any kind of submarine yeah but usually i think with u-boats it was usually you were sinking them so you just never ended up with one that wasn't was able to actually be towed back to harbor but this sounds like they surrendered it sounds crazy yeah wild stuff and that's it that's all i got for that cool Patrick, did you make anything? Do you make any like Canada game? So I was trying to do stuff and I was like, can I do a quiz? Can I, and I, I honestly couldn't, like I couldn't even find other things that were released in the same day, which is what I usually do. I, I was at kind of a loss. The only thing I came up with was, what, what was your favorite lesson? What, what did you learn? But that's even a pretty terrible game to be perfectly frank. I mean, it's it's basically you're asking kind of what the deeper message of this is. Sure, but I think it's a terrible game. We might as well just end the podcast. Thanks for listening to Submersion. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating on iTunes.